0: Well, hey there, preachers. And today we are looking at, uh, sermon number three in our minor prophets series called When God Speaks. And this one is going to deal with the book of Micah. The title of this sermon is God turns your misery to hope. And on the call with me is Pastor Scott Krebs. He's the one who took the lead on this particular sermon. So Scott, let's do what we always do. Uh, Give us a kind of a quick overview of your your big idea and your main points uh and then we'll kind of drill down into each of those and also into the hook and the close
1: all right well we are looking um at the book of micah but really we're going to take a up close look at the last 7 verses which will give us a, a insight into the whole book um, but uh, the big idea is that God offers to rescue us from our misery because of his great love and mercy towards us. And so um, it's this idea of we're in misery. And that that's the very first point. God helps people in their misery it comes from Micah 7, 14 through 15. And um, from there, we see the heart of God reaching out, helping us. We'll dig into what, what that misery is, where it comes from. Um, and then we'll Next, hit on a note that's found in, I think, just about all of the prophets, uh, the note of judgment. Everyone who rejects God faces his judgment. um, That, you know, if you resist God, if you push God away, ignore God forever, you know, eventually you'll suffer the consequences of that. And then finally, um, we will end on the note that almost all the prophetic books end on, which is God rescues us. And here we're saying God rescues us because of his love not our obedience to him and so his rescuing is rooted in his character and his promises not on our ability to follow his law and amen to that
0: yeah so i mean just right off the bat you can see this is uh are you gonna poke a little bit of fun at the idea that we're preaching about misery
1: <laughs> yeah perhaps perhaps um certainly when i get into to, to um point one um so my plan is to set the context a little bit for the Book of Micah. Yeah. And so I I have um I have an easy target uh to start the sermon, which is do you trust the federal government? Mm. Um and I I just looked up these are really recent stats as, as of this recording, uh twenty-six percent of Americans approve of Congress wow. and seventeen percent seventeen percent of Americans trust the government. Um so that I mean that is if you think about it, seven only of Americans trust the government to be honest, to make good decisions. That's pretty sad. Um, And then the 26% of Americans who approve of Congress, I want to meet them because I'm like, do they not read the news? Uh, But that's a a political opinion, not a biblical opinion. Um, And so the whole reason I'm bringing up this thing about trusting the government is because that gets us right into the book of Micah because the prophet Micah talks about... um, the, the fact that he couldn't, you couldn't trust the government, you couldn't trust the king, you couldn't trust the rich in his day, you couldn't trust the priests, because everyone was out for themselves, trying to gain power, trying to make money, um, the rich were getting richer, the poor were getting poorer. And uh, there's this sharp divide and distrust among the people, and uh, so it reminded me a lot of our world. Yeah, life.
0: that's good. I think that's a great that's a great way to get into the sermon, and it's probably also a good way to get into the first point that that living in a in a culture like that just automatically is going to bring some misery into our li- everyday lives.
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think it's pretty easy to establish that there is misery in our world. Um, And you can talk about misery at all kinds of different levels, whether that's people suffering, um, you know, people being poor, people being hungry, Um, there's the misery of, Just like we just talked about, even Americans just being divided, which I don't know, that brings me a certain level of sadness. When I think about even my own lifetime, I I just feel like there's more distrust among people of different political opinions and stuff and uh, less unity in my own country. Um, But then there's misery in relationships, misery in divorce, misery in broken homes, misery in loneliness. That, you know, as pastors, we talk with people all the time that are in the midst of those miseries. And then just the misery brought out by sin. Um, You know, just think just think of some of the pastoral ministry of your own week and just think of all the misery Mm -hmm. that happens because of sin. So there's just there's a lot. We we can be people that can uh, know what it's like to live in miserable conditions. Um, Not the same ones as the people of Israel in Micah's day, but still, you know, powerfully um, difficult.
0: Yeah. And so as I'm looking at your notes and just a reminder to the preachers, if you're going to preach this one, you can check out Scott's manuscript notes. That's what we're going through right now. But as I look at your notes here, Scott, it looks like you're kind of weaving between, you know, your misery today, your you know, kind of contemporary misery, and then back into Micah. You're kind of going back and forth between what we experience and what he experienced. And then you start bringing a little more context to what's going on in Micah's day.
1: Yeah, that's right. I'll just say, um, as a quick aside, I, I've been struck reading the Minor Prophets, just how much they really do speak to our situation, you know, We're the faithful are a minority in, in the day of the prophets. They're a minority today. You know, there's just, there's a lot there. Yeah, um, We feel like strangers in a strange land. So did they, you know, but uh, anyway. Um, yeah. So the context of verses 14 and 15 is um, the prophet is saying, God, will you protect us? God, will you help us? Basically, God will you take us out of this misery? And so we talk about the fact, just give a little backdrop, a little historical context here, talk about, how Israel split into two kingdoms in the north and the south, how the Assyrians and the Babylonians, Babylonians rather, would come and take over the two kingdoms. And this was God's judgment. Um, it was not an accident. It was God's mm-hmm. judgment on Israel because of their sin for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also this hope, um, this hope that one day God would come back and help his people. And so there's this uh, pattern throughout the book of Micah, Uh, which is judgment, then blessing. God will judge, but then Mm he'll bless. Um, So basically at the end of the book, Micah says, you know, God help us, help us. And God says, yes, I will. I will help you. Just like I helped you in the days of the Exodus. um, I will, I will help you. I will come and rescue you out of your misery, out of your, um, you know, being in exile and, and being under the, in, in the grip of the Babylonians. I will help you. Um, And so that's a model for how God works in our life. Yeah. And I
0: think it's interesting. You might even, you could potentially bring up here again, that now we're getting a little bit of a clear picture of their misery and their misery was in great part brought on by themselves, right. Or brought on by their, their culture and their people. So there, maybe there are two types of misery. There's misery that we, that we create for ourselves. And I think there's a lot of that today still, and then I think there's mm-hmm. legitimately misery that you're a part of because you're a part of a culture that has wandered from God. And so you, you kind of experience, it's almost like group misery, right? You experience the, that's right. Uh, you experience something that's not maybe directly because of you or maybe familial misery, right? That kids of, you know, of a family that gets a divorce, a couple that gets a divorce, you know, they didn't choose that, but they have to experience some of the misery that comes along with sin.
1: That's right. That's right. And that's something I like to do a lot. I like to start with the group misery, (laughs) or the group sin or the institutional sin or the cultural sin, and then make it personal. Because I feel like it's easy for people, even people who aren't, you know, Christians or that religious to say, okay, yeah, there is sin out there in the world. But then what I always like to do and what I plan on doing here too is to say now, but we need to be honest, you know, sin's not just out there. It's in here, in me, in you, in the human heart. And so um, that's, that's what we're talking about. Just as much as, is that self-inflicted ministry because of human sinfulness before God, that's a huge problem. So I, that's, that's really good to, to tease that out.
0: Yeah. And then, then you transition, can we transition to point two, you transition to, Mm -hmm. So then everyone who rejects God faces his judgment, which is a real, real prophetic way to word that point, Scott. So good job.
1: Well, thank you. Um, Yeah. uh, So here is, it's sort of, this is a, this is a wonderful passage here. These two verses in verses 16 and 17, and you can read them in detail on your own and and everything, but they're just amazing word pictures here, but there's a pretty, natural question that comes up which is okay wait all these people who are god's judgment on israel the assyrians the babylonians what about them you know they don't fear fear god they don't honor god they don't live ethical lives what's going to happen to them um and so you know we can in our own world right you can say okay um like i get that i'm not perfect i get i messed up but uh, you know, what about all those people who ignore God and don't care about God and do their own thing and are, you know, greedy? What what about them? And so we have this powerful passage, which is about the judgment of God. And it's just a way for God. I, I think it's a way for God to sort of flex his muscles mm-hmm. a little bit and say, hey, look, one day, you know, these world powers because Assyria and Babylon, they were world powers in their day. Uh, there was no one bigger, no one badder than them right um and they it says that they will come out of the ground like snakes crawling from their holes trembling at the presence of Mm. god and so it's just a it's just a powerful picture of of god's judgment and then you know for us i I think there's a few different ways we could go with that but i I just think of like you know to follow christ in our time in our world it's puts us in the minority um following jesus has never been popular and it's certainly not popular now um, it's not going to win you many friends. Um, I know um, even Brian, I, I will say, for the podcast listeners, you know, he's come under attack for following Jesus even recently. And uh, so sometimes it can be really hard to follow Christ. And um, But this tells us one day our ch- our choice to follow Jesus will be vindicated. And so I think this speaks to students, I Think, but it speaks to all of us. And it, as I was just meditating on these verses in Micah, it just reminded me of Philippians 2, 10 through 11 that says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue will declare that Jesus is Lord. And so to me, that, that brings the question, you know, one day all of us are going to bow to Jesus. So are you going to bow to him as a defeated enemy? Or are you going to bow to him as your Lord whom you love and who you've trusted and walked with? Because um, we're all going to bow to him one day.
0: Yeah. And Scott, I think what I might do in this part of the sermon is is to um, draw out the difference between God's judgment and God's discipline. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as as we said in the first point, God is disciplining his people who he loved and good parents always discipline their kids but that's different than what he's doing with the Babylonians and the Assyrians. Um, they they'll experience his judgment, um, will experience God's discipline. And, and I think that's, it's good to remember. I think just as we say, Hey, it's, it's still worth following God, even though in the short run, we might see God's enemies flourish in the long run. God might even use his enemies to discipline for disciplinary reasons but at the end of the day, and this is kind of moving toward your last point, at the end of the day, God loves those who accept him. And even though we're not perfect, he loves us just mm-hmm. like a good parent loves their imperfect children.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I do think that's a good distinction. And, and there's a theme of that in my notes, too, that I hadn't really uh, articulated here, but that, that discipline judgment. And, and that really brings us to, you know, why is God doing all this? And why do we have this hope? And it's that God rescues us because of his love because of his character, because of his promises, not because of our obedience. Um, You know, I think there's a natural question that we might have. You know, what if am I good enough for God? You know, what if God changes his mind about me? Will God still rescue me if I mess up? Um, but here's the thing we need to always remind ourselves and always realize is that God saves, um, because of his love, not because we're worthy, not because we deserve it. It's just who he is. And so the end of Micah is this, these wonderful three verses that just really powerfully portray the character of God. Um, he he says, uh, in verse 18 there, he says, who is like the Lord, um, that's the kind of the more direct translation of the Hebrew and the name Micah means who is like the Lord. <laughs> and so he's kind of using a play on his own name. And then he just, he just follows the theme of Exodus 34, six through seven, that God is merciful, compassionate, slow to anger. Um, you know, to, to say that salvation is because God wants to save us, not because we're worthy. And so it's rooted in his character. And then it's also rooted in his promises he says in verse 20, you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love because you promised Abraham and Jacob. And so um, we can take God's promises to the bank, not because we're worthy, but because God's always going to come through and do what he says he does. So um, it's pretty remarkable to me that you can have these books like Micah that are so filled with hard, hard words for God's people, but then come with such a reassuring blessing of God's love and care and he will restore. He will heal. He will transform. And uh, to me, I think that's real reassuring because even just this last Sunday after church, somebody said, hey, how come God's so mad in the Old Testament? Mm. And I said, you know, well, God is mad in the Old Testament. He's mad at sin. He's also mad at at sin in the New Testament, if you read Revelation. Um, But, you know, you also have these passages like these verses here that just show God's love just as deeply as it's shown in the new Testament too.
0: Yeah. And I love how you, I mean, really this last point is, is, is great because it emphasis, it obviously emphasizes the gospel, right? So anyone who feels like that, you know, they see this God of judgment and wrath. And so they feel like they, well, they better be obedient to, and stay in line or he won't love them. And I, it's just great. I think in the middle of this series on the minor prophets to, to say, Hey, this is, you know, it's, it's easy to get the wrong idea about who God is, but in so many of the prophetic books, it has these lines, this mantra that that God says about himself, that I have compassion and unfailing love. And so, yes, even though he does get frustrated at sin and he gets angry at sin, at the end of the day, his mercy is always greater than his judgment for, for his people, um, And I think that's a great note to end on in this sermon and to say that it's, you know, come to come to God, be drawn to God by his love. Don't try to get to God by your obedience. Obedience will follow the work of the spirit in you um, that God is already doing. Uh, But but this is just such a gospel point. Uh, You know, you can even just share Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 right here. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there's certainly some New Testament passages you go to 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 reaffirm this. But I know where we pastor, it's just um, so people are so uh, confused and, and are so tempted to think that they need to earn or they somehow can deserve God's grace, God's salvation. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's just all is for us really important to emphasize. No, it's it's not about that. Um, there's a clear order in terms of you know salvation. And then um, good works is a response. So that's just nothing. uh, That's something that we can, we never um, can get too far away from talking about.
0: Yeah. So then Scott, how do you, how do you conclude your sermon here? I'm looking at your notes and you're, you're kind of bringing the misery thing. I like what you say here. Misery isn't permanent in Christ. God may punish, but He will also bless. So you end on this positive note um, for modern readers of Micah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I I want to just kind of bring back the real worldness of our, you know, where we live and our situations, and we might be in minis- misery. Some of it's self inflicted, some of it not. Um, but it's it's temporary, you know, whether from the perspective of life on earth or eternity. It, it is it is temporary, and that we can anchor all of our hope in the future, hope in the end of suffering, hope in the goodness of life, ultimately in the character of God. And, uh, and so that's where we want to bring it. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's maybe some more specific application ways you, you certainly there's a gospel message that could really come here or, or a gospel call that you could really end with. Um, and, and then even just maybe for the Christian, you know, do you really trust God this much or, um, you know, how do you look at your suffering? How do you look at your misery? Do you, do you see, God in the midst of it. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too far off off topic here, but uh, there are some other application um, that we could go with if needed. But I, I really want to end with the, just the character of God. I like people to be kind of wowed by God and uh, and then, you know, pick up a few application points from that.
0: So Scott, let me just ask another one more question here. Uh, we have the, the notes or the Bible project video, a link to that in your notes and also in the resources. Are you planning on using that video at the beginning of your sermon or mid in midway through it?
1: Um, that's a good question. I don't have a great answer for that yet. Um, I'm tempted to use it. I will probably need to shorten my sermon. Uh, mm-hmm. so I don't want to like take my sermon and then add five, six minutes to it. So I will definitely need to remove some stuff. My hope would be, I would be able to, um pr- I probably would need to remove some of the historical context because hopefully the, the video would do that. Um, but I need to spend just a little more time looking at it and stuff. So um but I think, you know, I think that could be a fun um different way to capture people's attentions and minds. Yeah. So um I need a little more time with that. But I, I my guess is I will start with that before the sermon even is an entry. Um
0: yeah, that's good. Uh, those Bible Project videos are fantastic. Yeah. and just for people to know that they those will be included in the uh, series for small groups, so that they can watch those in their small group if they'd like to, or on their own. So we'll include that as a bonus video uh, under each one of these lessons. So Scott, this is a great one. Uh, the title is um it's a it's on Micah. The title of the series is uh, called "When God Speaks." The title of this third sermon is God Turns Your Misery to Hope from the book of Micah. So uh, if you want to grab Scott's manuscript notes that we were looking through just now, or if you want to see the slides uh, or the small group curriculum or anything else, all of that content's free. You can find it at PursueGodNetwork.org in our sermon library.